What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 66, presented by the Bar Room Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am so excited to watch my team make the second overall pick tomorrow. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he's directing his first ever episode of Bar Down Talking Hockey. Frank, congratulations, and how we doing? I'm doing good. We'll see how this goes. I got a lot of pressure. Nah, there's no pressure. There's no pressure. None of that. What's up, Skox? How's it going, my man? Who do you hope in the Blackhawks take in this draft? Put your opinions in the comment section right now. This doesn't just apply to Skox. This applies to everyone. So, Frank, it's the big episode, the big 2022 NHL draft episode. As a fan of the New Jersey Devils, I've been more interested in the entry draft than I have been the playoffs in the last, you know, six or seven years, except for one. And, you know, I'm excited about it. So let's kick it off by talking about the prospects in period number one. Frank, that was great. <laughs> that was just a great job clicking that button to send over to period number one. I'm telling you. So we're going to see what good. we can do, huh? Yeah, that was good. Hey, get your hand back on that trigger finger. You never know when I'm going to send it to period number two. You got that, pal? You got that. <laughs> That's absolute comedy. So, Frank, the Montreal Canadiens are on the clock. They will make the first overall pick in the 2022 NHL draft. Who will they take? Are they gonna Are they gonna take the guy who's been number one for probably two years now? Like I remember reading about Shane Wright being the number one overall pick, like when the devils took Hughes, it was like, okay, power's probably going to be, or Lafreniere is going to be in 20 and they're going to use uh, Owen powers, the likely guy for 2021 Shane Wright 22. He was 16 years old. What do you think now? Well, I feel like when you have the number one pick, you have pressure to take that guy that everybody thinks is number one, which this year is Shane Wright. And there've been back and forth opinions on Shane, Wright. Will it be him? Will it be Logan Cooley? Slavkowski, which he probably wouldn't go one, but there's rumors he could go two to the Devils. Um, but ultimately, I think the Montreal Canadiens are going to take Shane Wright. Personally, I believe they need a center to fill the holes. They have a lot of holes in this team. They could use a center. You know, it's almost like when we're playing fantasy hockey and you got Connor McDavid and um, Nathan McKinnon, and everybody's going to choose McDavid to go first, right? But there's people who say, well, you, McKinnon's the number two. You could go with McKinnon for number two, but everybody goes with McDavid, and I think that's what they're going to do. The Canadians go with Shane Wright. Also, um, Shane Wright models his gameplay after Patrice Bergeron. Like, he's got a very similar play style as Patrice Bergeron. And Kent Hughes stated that the Canadians would be lucky enough to draft 
a player of Bergeron's caliber, which just hints that they're leaning towards taking Shane Wright. I ultimately agree with you. I think they are going to take um, Shane Wright. I The only thing, it's either him or Slavkovsky for me. Like, I think Montreal takes Slavkovsky if they don't take Wright, but I think they're taking Wright. And then I think the Devils will take him at two, and then I, Cooley's probably the guy at three unless the Arizona Coyotes want the defenseman, Simone Nemec. And that, that's kind of where I'm at with the top four. But the interesting thing to me is like what you said. It, the last time it was kind of like this was 2012. And Nail Yakupov was the number one overall pick. Everyone wanted Nail. I remember, fail for Nail, fail for Nail, fail for Nail. Every team in the league that was below 500, fail for Nail. And Nail Yakupov played, like, what, 300 NHL games? He sucked. Mm-hmm. I remember he That's scored. Fun name to say. Yeah, Yakupov. He played that game where he scored, and then he, like, went on his knees across the middle of the ice and, like, to celebrate and every single player Edmonton drafted besides Yakupov panned out. They, that didn't really lead to too much success for them until like this last year, year before, but McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, Eberly, Hall, all of them were awesome. Yakupov stunk. And let's be brutal. honest. How often does the number one consensus guy not go number one? Like when was the last time that happened? doesn't happen. Who was it? He sure. Oh, and Patrick was number one, right? Patrick was number one for, God, probably two years before that. But it doesn't happen too often. He got hurt. Nolan Patrick did with, I want to say he played for the the Wheat Kings, the Brandon Wheat Kings. Brandon's a town in Canada. And he got hurt, dealt with some concussion. His body was like Darth Vader. And the Devils took Heesher. Mm-hmm. And he rose to the top. It was Nolan or Nico. I remember Nolan versus Nico. Like that was a thing by draft day. But if you would have told anybody in October that he sure would even be in the top five, they would have thought you were crazy. And then the world juniors happened. He dominated the Swiss lost to team USA in overtime because Nico scored two goals and the rest of the USA couldn't really contain him until they got to overtime. They scored a goal because they were a better overall team. Mm-hmm. But that, that's really the last time that that comes to mind for me. But I'm not saying Shane Wright's going to become Yakupov, but I'm I'm nervous that a guy is really getting this much, like, I don't know, like, hey, they really might not take him. They tried to do it with Hughes, with Capo Caco. Nobody actually ever believed that the Devils were going to take Capo Caco. They were taking Jack Hughes from the minute they won the lottery. And part of me wonders if it's more like the Heesher year or if it's more like the Hughes year. I think it's more like the Hughes year. They're going to take Shane Wright. Yeah, you know, I just, it's hard not to see him going just because I, I do think that he would fill a lot of holes, especially in their center department, because I think they're in desperate need of a center. And this team is clearly not on the track of winning ways. So I think this would definitely help them fix some of those problems. Yes, absolutely. No doubt about that. The only uh, thing I wanted to note from you, do you think deep down inside, because let me be frank with you about something here. The devils have 
Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes. Those are their top two centers. Depending on the opponent, that will change who's one and who's two. Mm-hmm. But then they have in their bottom six, Mercer is supposed to be the third line center. He had a really good rookie year, 40 something points as a 19 year old. I think any of us would sign up for a 40 point 19 year old with our favorite team. And thank you, Aldo. Hope you're enjoying <laughs> vacation. Um, few people ever tell me I know my stuff. So whenever someone does, I, I eat it up. Um, oh, lost my train of thought there for a second. So the, <laughs> The top five. The de- oh, back, I was the Devils. It was the Devils. They have uh, McLeod and Mercer as their bottom six centermen. If Hughes, Heashier, McLeod, and Mercer are their top centers, and you got guys like, let's say they don't trade Pavel Zaka, he could play center. Miles mm-hmm. Wood's probably playing wing. Jesper Bratt is certainly on the wing. Yegor Sharangovich on the wing. Kokonen on the wing. But they, they don't really have that like Kyle Palmieri type winger that can right. score 30 with ease anymore. Slavkowski's supposed to be that guy. And he's the best winger in the draft. Cooley's a centerman. Uh, Wright is a centerman. And part of me is the Devils would take Wright if the Habs pass on him. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Wright doesn't slip to three. But it would almost be like, okay, now who do you trade? <laughs> do you trade Shane Wright? Do you trade? If they take Shane Wright, they're keeping Shane Wright. But do they trade Dawson Mercer? Because they're not trading Heeshear or Hughes. That's for damn sure. So, so you, I wonder if they just want the winger. So you think they're going to go with Slavkovsky? I do. I okay. If they don't trade the pick. I Here's what I think. We'll get to that as, later. Far as, as far as the Devils go. Um, I think they should choose Logan Cooley for some reasons here. First of all, if some people are saying – or hold on, never mind. I'm disregard that. Um, I first of all, Logan Cooley fits the Devils' play style. I love he Devils love to play off of the rush, and Logan Cooley plays off of the rush. I just love the way he mes- meshes out there on the ice. He also has the advantage of playing behind Hughes and Heischer, which is huge. He could develop behind them for a few years, um, and th- the Devils don't have a lot of center depth in their organization. If you look at the depth in their farm system, they don't have a lot of center depth at all. I think out of their top 10 prospects, I think it one is a top center depth player. So they need depth at center because after, I mean, after these young guys develop and the Devils start to win and they need more players, they need more centers, they're going to have nobody. And that's not going to help them at all. So I think taking Logan Cooley could help them out there as well. They kind of have the same problems as the Canadians in terms of center positioning. You get what I mean? Yeah. I mean, my my problem with that is Cooley and Wright, are they bottom six centers? I don't know. I think they both could be top six centers, but they would have to grow into it. And that's where Cooley has the advantage of watching, watching Heashier play, watching Hughes play, and he could like build his game off of playing with them. Because obviously, right away, he might, he's not going to be this superstar, you wouldn't think. He's got to develop his play style, but he's got the advantage of watching these young guys in front of him and develop into that top six player. Interesting. I never really thought about it that way in terms of the depth in the organization. I guess it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a bad thing to have three centers who could score 60 or more points. Obviously, Hughes, we could be talking like 100 points. And he's here 60 to 70. And then if Cooley is like a 60-point guy, I guess you don't hate that with three centers. But I'm trying to think of the wings on this team. 
I think at the NHL level, they suffer even harder than center because yeah, Brat, Brat led the team in scoring mostly because Hughes was hurt. But um, Brat led the team with scoring and Sharon Govich scored over 20 goals, which is nice. But if Slavkovsky is like this shoot first, pass later type of guy and he they put him on a line with Heeshear or Hughes, I'm wondering like what the, what the limit could be for goals that this guy could score. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong there. I mean, they might be hurting on the wing right now, but I'm just looking about the future, their depth, you know? Because I, I read somewhere that, like, their number fourth prospect or something is a center, but then after that, it's there's no centers. They yeah. got a lot of depth at every other position. Um, I, I know they don't necessarily need a center right now. That's not their biggest flaw they're looking for to get this team winning and getting them into the playoffs, but I just think it's something to consider. Yeah, absolutely. And so – I think I got your top five mapped out, but I'm going to ask you now, what is your top five in the draft? All right. So I got, you want me to go five to one? Yeah, sure. Or no, All you right. can start it with one. Cause we know who one is, right? Like, well, I one is Shane, right? Yeah. I think the intrigue comes like after the top three. I'll go Shane, right? Number two is Logan Cooley. Cause I just explained that with the devils. Don't really need to, to go in more depth there. But when you look at number three, I think that's where Slavkovsky falls. He's got that big body. He gets to the net. And who's got that? Over, I forgot who has the third overall pick. Uh, Arizona. The Coyotes. And that's something they could use, I have a feeling. I, I mean, it's just it just made more sense to put Cooley two. And then I just felt the need that I had to put Slavkovsky at three just because there are people saying he could go two. So that's my third. Number four, this may surprise you. And – Forgive me if I butcher some of these names. Um, number four, I have David Jiracek. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his name properly either. It's, uh, yeah. And he's got similar play styles to Alex Petrangelo, which if you could get a guy like that, a defenseman like Jiracek, and he plays similar to Petrangelo, that's a top five guy in my opinion. He, to me, he'd have to go four. Which leaves me to five would be Simon Nemec. Um, he's a defenseman that makes plays. He's a playmaker. Not let, he's not necessarily going to score 20, 30 goals as a defenseman, but he makes plays. And if he plays defense and get, get the puck on the other guy's sticks, that's a top five player in the draft for me. So those are my five. You know, we pretty much have the same list except we flip one. Or no, we flip two. We have the same five. My number one is Shane Wright. I would take Shane Wright if I was Montreal. It's in their building, and it'd be very hard to go up there and not draft Shane Wright in their building with their fans in attendance. First draft in front of fans since 2019, oddly enough. Weird to think about. Mm -hmm. The last two drafts have been a conference call. Um, number two, I would take I would go Slavkowski, number two. Big winger, hard to move, good shot. Perfect for what New Jersey's looking for. I'm not certain New Jersey makes the pick. I, I don't believe it's a fact that New Jersey makes the pick. Um, there's a lot of JT Miller talk out there. He had 99 points last season. There's a lot of Alex Debrinkit talk out there. A lot of points last season. A lot of goals, certainly. I'm just not positive the Devils are going to make that pick. But if they do, Slavkowski's the guy for me. Three would be Cooley. The Coyotes need everything. I mean, we could talk about need and depth for the whole organization. The Devils are better off in certain positions than others. The Habs are better off in certain positions than others. 
the Coyotes are bad off in every position, basically. Um, really, the the thing they might have the most said. I like that kid who played goalie for them in the second half of the season. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. He's got a long name, but uh, I would take Cooley third if I was them. And those are the top three, I think, in a lot of people's books. But there are a lot of people who like my number four as the number two guy for the Devils, and that's Simone Nemec. You know, he's been my number one defenseman in this draft for a couple months now. And then Jaracek is the guy for me at number five as well. So I believe that's the Philadelphia Flyers. So we have the same five. We do. We do. And I'm not positive because every year we think we nail the top five or the top six or seven. And then Steve Eiserman comes out of nowhere and drafts Moritz Sider, who was ranked like 20th. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Detroit, they passed on – or no. Who was it? Oh, Ottawa passed on Zadina to take Brady Kachuk in 2018. And that obviously turned out to probably be a pretty smart pick. Zadina's not bad, but Matthew – or Brady Kachuk is amazing. Uh, Quinn Hughes fell out of the top five in 2018, like – Probably also a mistake. You can argue he'd go number one if that draft were redone. I would rather Quinn Hughes than Rasmus Dahlin at this point. Mm-hmm. And that's no slight on Rasmus Dahlin. He's a good defenseman, but I think Quinn Hughes is better. And, you know, the Hawks jumped up and took Boquist when Noah Dobson and Ty Smith and Keandre Miller were all on the board. Like, that was a stunner to me. Like, there's always going to be a team out there in the top five to top ten that stuns everyone. But, you know... Who in this draft do you consider to be like a sleeper prospect? Is there somebody you look at and you go, everyone's sleeping on this guy. I can't believe he's projected to go here. Even if it's one of the five guys we named that you think should go like one or two, that's not up there. Well, by sleeper, I went like really sleeper, like not first round sleeper. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, I got two guys. I chose a winger and a defenseman. So the first guy is Jack Sparks. Have you ever heard of him, this guy? Uh, I've heard the name, obviously, doing that mock draft. but Yeah, he's a six foot seven, 230-pound D-man. This dude is huge. He moves well for his size, which is hard to come by for a guy that's 6'7", 230, which is that it's great to have on defense. And not only that, but his strength is puck retrieval. So... You know, he's going to be that type of guy where, you know, other teams are going to try and dump and chase on him. He, they're just not going to be able to do that. He's going to get to the puck quicker than everybody. It, it's just, to me, it's a sleeper pick. I want a guy like that on my team because every team that you have or every team in the league should have guys specifically like that. You need grinder defensemen. You need forwards that could get in front of the net. Like these are key pieces that these team needs. So I just thought Jack Sparks was one of my sleeper picks. He's going to go late. He's not going to go in the first round, obviously. He might not go to like maybe the fourth round, fifth round. I don't know exactly, but I just don't think that teams could should sleep on this guy. If they need a defenseman late on in the draft, I think he's a good pick because you've seen how many great players have come in the fourth, fifth round. There's been those diamonds in the rough that we've seen, and I think Jack Sparks is one of them, at least on for a defenseman. The other guy I got, huh? I was going to say very good. The other guy I got is Kirill Kent Dolzenkov. He's a left wing. He's even a little bit bigger. He's he's an inch shorter, but he's got more meat on him. He's 6'6", 236 pounds, and he's a left wing. The thing I loved about this guy is he pulled off the Michigan goal in a game. 
And we talked about how hard that is. And you said, you know, Sidney Crosby could try the Michigan and he might not be able to pull it off. Or Patrick Kane might be able to try the Michigan and he might not be able to pull it off. But the fact that this kid pulled it off during a game just shows me how good he is with his skills, with his hand-eye coordination with the puck. Um, yeah, he's, it's just overall he's got great hands. And I just – somebody who does that is really impressive. Such a young age. Don't know how it will translate into the NHL, but that's why we call it a sleeper pick. So those were my two sleeper picks I had for you. There you go. I only came up with one because I think this draft is very like – it's hit or miss. The top of the first round is pretty good. Then I think second through three can be, you know, argued in a lot of different orders. There's a lot of intrigue with this draft. It's not like next year where next year's draft as of right now is looking like a draft that could have like 40 to 50 first round type talents, Mm -hmm. which means the second round will just be crazy. And whatever happens behind Connor Bedard could just be a crapshoot. And this draft isn't like that. So I was looking at a guy who's supposed to go in the late first round, early second round, Jimmy Snuggerud. And he's a guy who the scouts are saying from beginning of this year to the end of this year, he's the most improved player. And, you know, I was reading a couple mock drafts on Yahoo and stuff like that. And some of the experts that are making these, you know, analysis of players and what they were doing in the junior team, This guy is a right winger for the United States National Development Program. That program has been pumping out first rounders like nobody's business in the last couple years. Spencer Knight, Jack Hughes, Matt Boldy, Cole Caulfield, like all Zegris, all these guys who are just outstanding. And, you know, it's hard for me to sit here and think that that program is just going to stop producing awesome players for the next couple years. And this guy seems to be like one of the next top guys to come out of there obviously there are other ones coming in the draft as well but you know he grades out as like a middle six nhl forward potential which is really nice in the late first round like if you could get a guy playing on the wing in your middle six late in the first round like people think that every first round pick has to go on and be a superstar or they're a bust that's just not how it works like getting a good player um is something that really in any round helps if you could get two or three good players out of your seven picks or eight picks, however many you have with trades and whatnot, you're, you're doing really well. Like this draft is in Montreal. I'll finish my thought on Jimmy first, Jimmy Snuggerud. He's, he's known as a guy who's like a Swiss army knife, score goals, create plays, make nice passes, kill penalties, could play on the power play. You know, that, that's just something that any team in the league could, like, want. And I know the team like the Devils would love to have a guy like that on their third line three years from now. I think of, like, a Miles Wood. Maybe Miles Wood's a little more rambunctious and hard-hitting than a Jimmy Snuggerud, but, you know, you never know once he actually makes it to the league what he's able to do with physicality. That always kind of depends on growth and whatnot. Um, very few people are Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews and come into the league and are gifted enough physically because we all know how skilled they are. What made McDavid and Matthew so good right away is the fact that they're both like 6'3", 200 pounds. Like Hughes wasn't good right away because he was smaller than me. And, you know, now that he's a bit bigger and the skills able to match the man body a little bit, that's always hard to determine. But I like this kid. I was doing research for an article that came out this morning. The 2022 NHL draft is taking place in Montreal. And I wrote an article 
about how the Blackhawks really kind of had a bad draft in 2009 when the last draft was held in Montreal. And that's just something that did not go very well for them. Their first round pick played less than 30 games for them. He played less than 150 games in the league total. The best player they got in that draft was Marcus Kruger, who was like the greatest fourth liner in the history of the Chicago Blackhawks. He only played like 500 something games. Their entire draft class from that year played less than a, or just over a thousand games. I think it was a thousand thirty six. That's brutal. But um, you know, it just kind of proves my point. Like, if you could get Marcus Kruger in the third or fourth round, like you're winning. You're you're ahead of everyone else. The teams like Tampa Bay who find Kucherov in the second round or Point in the third round, those are the teams that really kind of excel the most. Mm-hmm. But you know, a guy like Jimmy Snuggerud can really help impact a team if he reaches his potential in the NHL, just the fact that he's able to, you know, kind of do everything. Like, all these guys are the best player on their team until they get to be about 16, 17, 18 years old. And then very few of them are the best player on their team once they make their NHL debut. And so you have to find ways to stick and find ways to, you know, make an impact for your team and do what you got to do, like, you're not drafting the next Wayne Gretzky in all likelihood. Every now and then, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, those guys come along, Jack Hughes, Patrick King. But, like, for the most part, you need Andrew Shaw. Mm-hmm. You need Brandon Saad or Brian Bickle. Like, those – Brian Bickle, he was a highly touted prospect, right? Like, but he wasn't a superstar, but the Hawks were happy to have him. So – that's just kind of how the whole thing goes. If your guy's not scoring 80 points, that doesn't make him a bust. No, I mean, team, like I said before with my sleeve, like team needs those types of players. You need that guy in your team who's only has that one role to do that specific thing, whether it's being Andrew Shaw and get in front of the net and try to harass the goalie a little bit and make it harder on the goalie. Like there are te- that's what makes your team a winning team is when you get key pieces that just those players are, you pay them not that, you don't have to pay a hefty price on them, but they just do that one specific role. And and Tom here mentions a sleeper pick. I've never heard of this guy. He goes, how about right winger Tucker Robertson? I don't know if he meant to put Robertson or Robertson. Um, Passed over last, huh? It's Tucker Robertson. Uh, He passed, he was passed over last year. He led the OHL in goals with 41. See, the thing here is you could score 41 goals in the OHL, but does it translate to the NHL? That doesn't, that doesn't always happen. If just because you score 50 in the OHL doesn't mean you're going to come to the NHL and score 50. I, I mean, I can't say much about this guy. I don't, know, I don't know who he is. I haven't heard much about him. Maybe you have, but I don't know. So the best way to evaluate if you think it's going to translate or not is – how did he score 41 goals? And I'm not specifically talking about uh, Tom's suggestion here. That that could be a really good like suggestion, and that could this kid could go on to be like a really good NHL player. Um, I just I think it kind of depends on how they score their goals. How do, do can you say that they make their team better? Um, are they scoring goals because they played on a line with you know Bedard or? 
you know, one of the better players in the OHL? Do they have a high volume playmaking first round talent on their line? I remember one year there was a player named Alexis Heponiemi and he scored so many goals with, I can't remember what the OHL team was uh, or CHL team, I guess I should say, which is the three junior leagues all in one. Um, I don't remember what team he was on, Heponiemi, but lots of goals, led rookie scoring for whatever league he was in. Florida takes him with the second pick or second round pick. And it's like, how did a guy with that many goals drop so far? Well, he we haven't heard from him really since. And Florida's a wagon, and he's not really part of it. Um, I don't know. I think he might still turn out to be a good player. But, like, another good example is a guy like uh, Brandon Peary or Frank Vitrano. Those guys scored a crap ton of goals in their college days and their junior days. And when they make it to the NHL, it just doesn't translate enough. I, I, yeah. I'm i not a scout. I'm not. My eye isn't trained like a scout. My eye's trained to see what I see in front of me. But I'm not sure why some guys who score at high volumes are considered better than others. And guys who are on relatively low volume scorers in their leagues are considered like crazy skilled and crazy high draft picks like Slavkowski, for example. Slavkowski's numbers aren't what Shane Wright's numbers are, but they're in different leagues and things translate differently. People look at, is, was he a fifth-year player in the OHL? If you're a rookie scoring 50 goals in the OHL, that's probably a bit different. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think it also goes like the strength of the league you're in too, kind of like what you said and who you're playing with. I mean, it's all situational. I mean, yeah. that's how these scouts get their get these players and they they take all these different credentials into consideration and then they'll make their decision based on that. But I mean I've seen guys score ninety to a hundred points in all these different leagues, the QWMHL, whatever it is, the OHL, the WHL, whatever whatever the case may be, and then they come to the NHL and they'll score forty goals or not forty goals, forty points or fifty points max. And they're that's just like lot, they're though. that is a lot, but I mean, they're ex- you're expecting more off a guy who gets 100 points in a different league. You're expecting him at least get 70, 80 points, maybe high 60s. Yeah, 100 points in either of the three OHL leagues, CHL leagues, is not a lot. Like, I'm pretty sure Connor McDavid was in, like, the 170s, 180s, 190s. Wow. Like, like, those kids score a lot of goals and have a lot of points. So, you also – there are situational things like we're going to talk about. I'm going to bring up this draft prospect later. Jack Hughes plays yeah. for Northeastern. Um, he only had 16 points playing for Northeastern this year, but he's like a second round talent. Well, why do people think so highly of him? Well, he was a freshman, and freshmen get less ice time. And unless you're like a Luke Hughes, who's like a top five pick, like running a power play quarterback. Th- there's just a clear difference to some scouts and that's why we project based on what scouts say and hope our teams take the guys who are able to most help them win. So yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Is there anybody, are any of the guys you named someone you want the Hawks to take in the second round? I mean, I know we're going to get to, you know, some hot draft takes and whatnot later, but I'm curious, like, is there anybody in the draft that you want the Hawks to look at? Um, well, they don't have a first-round pick. No, uh, their first pick is 38. 
And then their second pick, I want to say, is 57, Minnesota's pick. Yeah, you know, me personally, I haven't done a lot of scouting. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I Mm. haven't done a lot of scouting on them and who they should take. Um, I just think that they need – they need goaltenders. And I know they have um, – what's his name that I always talk about? They Drew Camesso. Drew Camesso and Drew Yeah, I know. I, th- we don't know how they're going to – I think they could pick up a goalie maybe. I mean, I don't think it's number one priority. I'd like them to sit, pick up some defensemen. Like, if they're a team that gets the Jack Sparks guy that I was telling you about, I'd be fine with that. We need defensemen on the Hawks with a little bit of bigger build. I I'll, I love the, just that giant guy, you know. He's no Chara, but if you could just have somebody like that on your team, I, I, I mean, I think they should focus a little bit on defense. They got some prospects in their system that, that, that I think they'll be fine on offense. So just focus on defense and maybe snag one goalie. Maybe. That's all I'm saying. That's all I've really like think about so far. That's fair. I got an article coming out tomorrow. I think it's gonna be tomorrow on goalies for them to consider the Hawks. And the goalie class this year, not that great. Uh the top guys, Tyler Brennan or Tapias Leninen, depending on who you ask. It's one of those two guys. And late second round, early third round. The thing is though. That's the projection for the goalies every year for the most part, except for like Vasilevsky and Price. I remember they were like highly. Oh, and Mark Andre Fleury was the number one overall pick. But like, I don't get why people are so hesitant to take goalies and stuff. They can help you win so much. Like, I just don't understand why people are bullish on goalies in the draft. They're just hit or miss. You know, I think they're out of all the positions in the draft center, left wing, right wing, defenseman, goalie. Goalie is the the biggest it could be hit or miss. Yeah. And you never know what you're going to get. The Dallas stars took Ottinger in the 2017 draft. And now look what he did for them this year. Exactly. But like, I'm trying to think of, there are a couple examples out there, like Lundquist sixth round, um, Crawford second round, you know, all these guys, they go, they go in waves and some of these undrafted guys come out of nowhere and stuff like that. So I'm not, I'm bullish on goalies too, really, because I'm pretty sure since 2000, half of NHL goalies were, went undrafted or it's some crazy stat like that. I don't know the exact stat, but it's along those lines. And it's just a wild position. And unless you're like a diehard Hawks fan, like you or a diehard hockey fan like me, um, you don't know much about Drew Camesso or Arvid Soderblom, who the Hawks love both, like a lot. Um, we talked about Soderblom with Tab, and we've talked about Camesso just us a lot. And they're both young goalies that the Hawks love. If those guys turn out to be good, and you had drafted one this year, and that guy turns out to be good, highly unlikely that all three turn out to be like studs. But then you can make a trade, or you you have depth. Like there's nothing wrong with a good backup. Some of the best Hawk years. We're with Huey playing well as a backup, Scott Darling playing well as a backup, and Anti Ranta playing well as a backup. So, and uh, oh, and Ray Emery. Ray Emery was the backup in 2013. Out of, Soder, nice. of Soderblom and Camesso, I think Camesso would be the more likelier to turn out of the better two players. You really so, think that? I, I really think that. And if I was running the organization, I would have – 
Camesso be the starter with Soderblom backing him up, and then we could see. I mean, we could see what happens then. And if you need to make some changes, you could change it. But I would give Camesso the starting role. Have Soderblom play backup for a little bit, but they're not ready for that. Camesso's not ready to be on the Hawks and be that starting goaltender. Yeah, I, I know, and I'm worried about that. And I'm worried about Lankinen. I'm not a big Lankinen fan. I mean, we well, can. Lankinen's gone. Yeah, he's a free agent. Yeah, I mean, we we could talk about him when we get talk about free agency, but um, that's what I'm worried about. That's why I don't think it would hurt to just consider a goalie for the Blackhawks, just to have another one in the system because they're so hit or miss. Because after Camesso and after um, Soderblom, I, I don't know who they're going to go to. I, I know nothing else about their goaltending prospects. Yeah, because there's not much else to know. Neither of those guys need to sniff the NHL this year. And the pe- the the reason and you might won't. think. The reason you might think Camesso's better is because you watched Oderblom come up to the NHL and struggle this year. That's not his fault. He should not have been in the league at all. Okay? He should be in Rockford. I don't know. Camesso's probably playing for Rockford next year, I would think. Yeah, probably. And I don't know his status of school, but I would have to look that up. I never didn't really think about it. But neither of the – sign Holpe or Halak. They're going to be terrible this year anyway. You know, you're, you're looking at the um, – what's his name? Connor Bedard sweepstakes next year. Okay, you're not better than Winnipeg. You're not better than Nashville. You're not better than Colorado, certainly. You're not better than Dallas. You're not better than Minnesota. And you're not better than freaking the St. Louis Blues. The only team you might be better than in the division is the Arizona Coyotes. And if their goalie plays well this year, they might top you in the standings by a point or two. Like, it's certainly possible. And they're going to be playing in that rowdy – it's going to be a rowdy college building. Like, you know – Arizona might have a little bit of pep in their step this season for whatever reason. Like, even if they're not good, there's still a chance they're better than the Hawks. Mm-hmm. And you also don't have to be the worst team in the league to win the lottery. Like, who's going to be war- who's going to be in that range with them? Flyers, maybe. Coyotes uh, are going to stink. The Coyotes are going to stink, too. Ottawa is going to be better. Detroit's going to be better. Montreal's probably going to probably be better. I would think – I don't think the Bruins are going to be very good, but I still think they're going to be better than the Blackhawks. Um, so you're going to be in that sweepstakes, sign a crap goalie, bring Lankinen back for a year. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin, come back and play on our bad team for a year. We'll give you a one year deal worth a million. You can stink up the joint. Mark Andre Fleury was way too good for the Blackhawks last season because they could be looking at Shane Wright or Slavkowski right now. See, I, I, yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't think they're going to be necessarily a great team, but I don't also just, would put the kibosh on the season. I don't just don't make stupid moves just to lose. Like at least in my, I'm competitive. I don't want to lose if I was running it. Maybe that's why I don't run an NHL team, but I just, I just can't create a team to lose. Do you know what I mean? I'm just just going by Kyle Davidson's word. I just can't make dumb signings. If that's the case, then I, I'm going to be upset with Davidson. If he's just making these moves just to like, ah, we're just going to throw it the year. Like to me, that's what? just stupid. Throw the year, I think, is not the way to look at it. Like if he's just saying, "Yeah, we'll sign Lincoln," and so he could just suck, and the hawk and the Hawks are just well, like, it's, it's what it's you call a stopgap. Like- it's not so they could suck; it's so that they can have a goalie that isn't ruining Camesso or Soderblom next year, like ruining their confidence, their development. It's a stopgap. It's a guy. It's a bo- a warm body to put in the net that can play goal, and then you let Lucas Reichel play. You let Kirby Doc play. 
Ian Mitchell can play. We'll see if they use Nicholas Bodan at all. You let those guys play at the NHL level and see what you got in them. And you have like Lankinen back there because it's a goalie that'll make saves. He'll at least at minimum make like the routine saves that any NHL goalie could make. And, you know, he's not going to steal games for you or he'll give up softies here and there. But your goal isn't to win next year. It's to develop. And the best way to develop your organization is to not put goalies in unfit. I think that goalies and defensemen are the ones you can ruin by bringing them to the NHL too soon. The Devils brought Jack Hughes into the NHL way too soon, but that didn't hurt his confidence or anything like that because he was still out there making plays, touching the puck. It just wasn't going in for him. With defensemen, if you get embarrassed night after night, guys are treating you like a traffic cone, that can ruin your development. Same thing with goaltenders. So that's kind of what I meant by like, Kyle Davidson is never going to go out there and say, we are trying to lose this year. We want Bedard. Okay. But what he is saying is this year's a developmental year. We'll see where we finish in the standings, maybe win the lottery and Kirby doc will be better off for it. Ian Mitchell will be better off for it. Uh, If they could take back the Seth Jones trade, I know for a fact they would, but at least giving them nine for eight, but I don't know. It's going to be an interesting time in Blackhawk land. Uh, I'm excited to see their draft just about as much as anybody else's. Should be interesting. Yeah, I'm excited too. Absolutely. So do you have a prospect that you consider overrated? I mean, there's one. Um, I just kind of – I don't know why I think he's overrated. I just think it's from the stats that he has in the current leagues league he's playing in and people think he should go higher than I personally think he should go. So I classified that as overrated in mm-hmm. my definition. Um, it's Cutter Gautier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're saying like this guy could go five, six, no shot in my opinion. I mean, I've seen multiple mock drafts where he's up there top six, seven, if anything to me, he's nine or 10, maybe even lower. I mean, he's got 65 points in 54 games for the U.S. under-18 team. I mean, okay, that's good. You're more than a point per game. But, I mean, it's just – not to mention his father was drafted by the Jets uh, in 1991. So I was like, are we just saying because his father was an NHL guy, this guy should be in the NHL? Because just what I've seen, and I've seen a couple videos of him um, playing for, for some of these teams that he's playing with. I don't know. To me, he's overrated. I wanted. I didn't want to have nobody for you when you asked me if there was an overrated guy. So just based on what I've been hearing from him, I think he's going to go a lot lower in this draft. Not much lower. I'm not saying like bottom of the first round, but he's not going to be. No, he's definitely not cracking the top five. Maybe not even the top ten, but we'll see. Yeah, I think he's going to go in the top ten. I don't think he's going to go in the top five. I pulled up a little thing from Yahoo here, and – they have him fifth to Philly. Yeah, that's wild. See, that, that's and, why I think he's overrated because there's no way he would go in the top five. But their and description I- for you is basically saying, you know, they're responding to what you just said about him. It says this may be high for some public for the public scouting community, but the reality is that Gauthier's name should game should translate well to the NHL, and he's the type of player that NHL scouts and executives value more than amateur ones and that kind of goes back to our conversation about you know players scoring lots of goals in the in the 
CHL and not really translating to the NHL. There's something about some of these guys that scouts, the NHL executives and scouts look at and say, he's supremely skilled. I don't care. Like his numbers aren't reflective of what he can be in the NHL. It's weird. It's a weird thing. And that's why one time when I was watching a Steve Dangle video and he compared the draft to the NHL draft to the big scary tiger cave in Aladdin and you walk in, you never know what you're going to get. Like that is like that stuck in my mind forever. And I don't think I'll ever forget it because you're calling Gauthier overrated. I'm saying he's probably perfectly rated like anywhere from seven to 10 is my guess or seven to 15. And definitely in the top 15, I would say. And if he comes to the NHL and is a 60 point player and wins the Calder trophy, I would be 0% surprised. You would be completely surprised, but like, I'm to the point now where like nothing would surprise me anymore. I've seen it all. See, I, I don't think he'd come to the NHL and get 60 points. Not next year. No, I'm saying if he was drafted this year, rookie season, he's not getting 60 points. He's barely scratching the surface at 60 now, and you're not even playing against NHL caliber teams. Yeah, playing for the U.S. national team, you don't get as many points as if you were to play for like um, an OHL team or something like that. So you got to take that into consideration. Similar with college. Like the Hobie Baker winner each year has like 40 points. But um, it's just, it's so interesting to me hearing people's opinions on stuff. And I appreciate you calling out this thing. Like, I'm not saying just because I slightly disagree with you doesn't mean that I like, I I don't even really disagree with you. I just kind of have no opinion. I'm just of the camp of like, hey, this could go either way. I don't think he's playing in the NHL this year. I think Wright and Slavkovsky are the only players drafted tomorrow that make it to the NHL in year one. So, Did you know what time the draft started? The draft starts at 7, I believe, and it's on ESPN Networks. So that's how that's going to go. But, yeah, I mean – Gautier, whatever his name is, I just and a lot of you saw it for yourself. You just saw top five. A lot of mock drafts have him in the top five. I don't see it personally. I think the five we named, the fact that we came up with the same five without even talking to each other about our list, I think those are going to be the five. But like you said, there's always that surprise where somebody sneaks into the top five. I don't think it's Gautier. Yeah, that's very fair. Um, I wonder. Let me. I'm wondering if he's going to college, which is certainly possible. Um, what's his name? Cutter? C-U-T-T-E-R? Yep. Yeah, I wonder if he's committed to university because if he's committed to university, that will change everything. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Filling airtime while this loads. Why do MacBooks start off so sweet? And then after a while, they just get a little bit slower than what you were at one point used to. He is, oh, Frank, Uh bad news for you. Not necessarily bad news for you. I'm not, I'm sure you're not rooting for this kid to stink. Um, (laughs) He is attending the University of Boston next season. So he will be a Terrier. And if he goes there and is sick as a top five pick, normally guys who are drafted who are committed to college, um, they normally go on and do well. You know, I think of Luke Hughes, Owen Power, Kent Johnson. You know, we'll see what happens. But as of right now, I'm with you. He's not a top five pick. 
I'm a little surprised to see him in some people's mock drafts that high. So I guess by definition, he's overrated. Yeah, in my opinion. So that's it for prospect chatter. I mean, there will be more prospect chatter just by natural draft talk. But we're going to talk about some of the other things that can happen in terms of transactions in the 2022 NHL draft in period number two. Welcome to period two. There's a lot of chatter surrounding players getting traded, moved. How's free agency expectations impacting this team's decision-making? Are the Calgary Flames going to trade Matthew Kachuk if Johnny Hockey leaves? They were two-thirds of probably the best line in the NHL last season. And... I think they statistically were the best line in the NHL last season. JT Miller's on the block. He's almost certainly gone from Vancouver. It sounds to me like Debrinket is as good as gone from Chicago. Uh, I'm actually, based on what I've heard and what I've heard Elliot Friedman and Pierre Lebrun and Frank Severelli all say, if Alex Debrinket is wearing number 12 for the Chicago Blackhawks on opening night, as of right now, July 6th, 2022, I would be surprised. I might have a different opinion a week from now when the draft is complete and free agency, you know, maybe the Hawks trade for Connor McDavid. Like, I mean, I'm obviously joking, but like there are things that can persuade my opinion and change it and whatnot things I see. But from what I'm hearing right now, he is being shopped and the devils aren't moving number two for him. Apparently the flyers aren't moving number five for him. Apparently the Hawks apparently overrate him compared to other teams. I don't see how, because of all the goals that he scored, I think the t- issue that teams have, he has one year left on his deal and then he becomes an RFA. But then there's only one year of control beyond that. So two years of Alex Dabrinkit for the second overall pick, plus Holtz and, you know, whoever, Zetterland, Ahotuk, you know, anyone else that the Devils might have to throw in to make that trade. I'm not certain that teams are down for that without an extension. So... I don't know. What's your thoughts? Well, a lot of people are suggesting that Alex Brinkett's going to be traded. Personally, I'm a little sad if it turns out to be true. Um, selfishly, just because I love this guy, I think he is the young talent that the Hawks are looking for. Obviously, you're going to have to pay a pretty penny for him to keep because um, he's you're going to have to pay him more money just the way, he's, the way he's been producing and what we've seen and the amount of points and goals that he's been scoring. Trading him, obviously, you're going to free up some cap space, get some prospects to build this team, get him going in the right direction. Um, but the thing is, you're looking for young, and he is young. So do you bite the bullet and just pay him extra money? And is he the type of player you, the Hawks could build around? Maybe. Vin, you mentioned Elliot Friedman. Um, Elliot Friedman actually reported that one team made an offer to the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, he didn't say who. With a couple of first-round picks involved for Alex Dabrinkit and the Chicago Blackhawks turned it down. It appears that they're looking for multiple first round picks and someone who could play this year. Um, so if it's true that there are two first round picks then I'm assuming they're looking for three or if there were offered two first round picks and one was considered high Friedman said one was a higher end pick uh, in the first round. Um, then maybe it, the prospects that were offered that guy couldn't play this year. Who knows? Um, I'd be sad to see him go, but I know they could get a lot of prospects for him. 
but I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not necessarily on the bandwagon of like, or the, the whole train that they're going to, he's going to get traded. I'm still 50, 50 earlier today. I was like, yeah, it might happen. The draft's coming up. He might get traded by Friday. Um, but actually, I don't know. I'm still on the fence if the, the Hawks are going to get rid of him or not. Yeah, to me, the problem with the Brinkett is not his age. He's still relatively young. It's the fact that he's one of those guys who came in very young and has done nothing but produce since coming in very young. What happens to those guys by year five, six of their careers? They get hella paid. And... You know, there are lots of 24-year-olds who are going to come in and be awesome making $700,000, $900,000 max minimum deal that they will get, you know, guys who played college. You know, Fox and Debrinket are around the same age. One's making barely anything. The other is about to cash in for eight, nine mil. I can't see a team, a smart team, moving or making a trade for a defenseman who is good, great, but not like worth nine million. Seth Jones is wildly overpaid, in my opinion, now that the contract kicks in in a week. And you're going to have t- two players making $18 million combined on a team that sucks. I, I just can't, I can't justify it. I just can't. If they traded to Brinkett for the fifth overall pick from Philly. Morgan Frost, whoever their other top prospect is, I think Bobby or Brink, Bobby or Brink, the, their top prospect, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, his name's Bobby Brink, but his middle name's Orr because he's from Boston and his family's obsessed with Bobby Orr. He's Bobby mm-hmm. Orr Brink. Um, you know, a guy like that, I, I think the Hawks would be like so smart to do that. Or if number two, Alexander Holtz and Fabian Zetterland came to Chicago for Debrinket. I just think both teams would be so smart to make that trade. But Done. here's the thing. The Flyers already said, they, they came out and said that they're not willing to give up their pick for Debrinket. So that's just not going to happen. Plus, they want somebody that could play this year. And the fact of the matter that they already turned down an offer from a team with two first-round picks, one being on the higher side, makes me lean towards the fact that I don't think they're going to end up trading them. Either that or they come down on the price a little bit. You're not going to get a top-five pick and another team's top prospect for anyone, except for maybe if the Oilers decided to trade like Drysaddle or something to change things up. But... I don't know. It's definitely an interesting conversation. But it's you do a what team. I'm saying, right? Yeah, of course I do. And Debrinket, in all likelihood, would be the best player in the trade. Mm-hmm. Unless whoever you select, like if you got Slavkovsky and he turned out to be a 45 goal scorer, making 700,000 or 900,000, I think the minimum is for a top five pick. Um, there's just so much risk to everything because if you're New Jersey, and you trade all this stuff for Debrinket, and then he dips in two years, then you got nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's so scary for everyone. And that's why I think a lot of deals fall through, but the ones that do go through, you see it happen. Taylor Hall was traded for Adam Larson, and then he won the Hart Trophy, but both teams suck. Like, it's just, it's just not what everyone thinks it is all the time. I also think that this is the type of situation that if he does get traded, you can't really be surprised 
But if he doesn't get traded, if he does get traded, you can't be surprised. And if he doesn't get traded, you can't be surprised either. I think it's it, to me, it's not going to be surprising either way because that's how 50 50 I think it is. Yeah, I think it's 50 50 as of right now, too. I a week ago, I would have said 75 25. I thought for sure because I heard a lot too. Yeah, the Flyers report is what's interesting to me. But when you look at the rest of the top 10, like teams that could use to bring it that have top five picks like Detroit Detroit could use to bring it. He's from Farmington Hills, Michigan, which is a suburb like a half hour outside of Detroit. Like I think if you put to it with Dylan Larkin and he wore a red wing sweater after growing up a red wing fan, like the eighth overall pick, I think it is that Detroit has like that would look good for the Blackhawks. If they gave up him and Zadina or him and Heronic or him or the, the eighth pick in, you know, who's another young player that Detroit likes that's not Lucas Raymond or uh, Cider? Like, could they give up? Uh, what's his name? Oh, I'm blanking on his name. Is it a forward or a defenseman? Or? They have one of each that I'm blanking on. There are just plenty of players Detroit can move with the eighth overall pick. And the Hawks in Detroit will make trades in 2022. They're not anywhere close to rivals right now they are when they play each other detroit red wings versus chicago blackhawks hockey is similar to chicago white Sox versus chicago cubs baseball they are not rivals unless they're playing each other when they're playing each other f you man f you it's because they're in different conferences now exactly and their hockey operations don't impact each other even slightly detroit getting better does not even hurt the blackhawks a little bit a little bit. So that's where I'm at with the Brinkett. 50-50 as of right now. JT Miller, I would say 100%. I agree. I totally agree. He could be traded by this time tomorrow. He, he's gone. He's gone. And and that's because Brock Besser's resigning. Yep. With so I mean, he's not gone, though. I don't think he's gone. I, I think, think 50-50 on that for me. See, because when, as soon as Brock Besser resigned with the Canucks, well, now I know for a fact JT Miller's gone. Like it's a get it's a hundred percent fact. I would say guaranteed by this time next week, our next show we'll be talking about the new team he's on. Um, you know, it'd be interesting if he went to the Penguins, just because there's a chance that Malkin leaves. See, that is something that could absolutely happen. That wouldn't surprise me even slightly. I just think the problem for Pittsburgh, they're in a similar situation as the Hawks, except for the fact that Sidney Crosby is a lot, as weird as this sounds to say, because Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and even Duncan Keith, who's in Edmonton, they are the most – they're probably the most decorated athletes in Chicago sports history besides Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Maybe Dennis Rodman? Me, I'm decorated. By decorated, I mean accomplished. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we're talking Selkie trophies, Hart trophies, uh, scoring titles – Three Stanley Cups. Each of them won a consmite. Sidney Crosby's but got them both beat by a lot. And that's crazy to think about. So I think there's a little more 
loyalty there, I think, possible. And that's why it's going to keep the Penguins from being good for a while, I think, now. Because they'll always have Sidney Crosby, even if their team is rebuilding. And I don't think that's a smart way to run business. I've always been of that opinion. There are people in Pittsburgh who will hate me for it. There are people in Chicago who hate me for what I say about the Blackhawks. It is not a smart business decision to not do what's best for your team. And the Penguins, their rebuild is coming. Mm-hmm. No matter how people want to say it, they don't – you think – you think Pittsburgh's version of Frankie Mueller wants them to trade or lose Malkin or Latang? No. Do you think the Pittsburgh version of Frankie Mueller ever wants to even think about them trading Sidney Crosby? No, not at all. But it's time. Soon. See, and that's where I think, see, I could be, it's hard to be with the Hawks. Because I'm selfish with the Hawks, so it's hard to be a little more non-biased. That's what I, I and I totally get that. I totally but when I that. look at the Penguins, I could see Malkin leaving. You know, yeah, where if I was a Penguins fan, I I don't know if I'd be able to see it the same way. Exactly. Just Which because of how strong my connection totally is. Totally fair. That's what we bring on this show is hardcore fan passion. But I, I, he's 50-50, I think, Malkin. But yeah, oh, I think it's 50-50, too. He could go back to Pittsburgh. There's no He's doubt good. about it. He could absolutely go back to Pittsburgh. He could yeah. also just leave. And if that's the case, JT Miller would be a great person. You can argue he'd be a better person. And you Malcolm, know JT Miller is that type of guy where anybody's going to take him. He had 99 like, points. I know. That's what I'm saying. So anybody's going to want – so, like, he, he could be a, a perfect fit virtually anywhere. Yes. And you know where I think he's going to go? He's going to go back to the New York Rangers. You think so? I, That's I heard my personal it. opinion. Uh, like the Rangers are going to trade either Nils Lundqvist or Capo Caco. Or he, I wouldn't trade Keandre Miller. I think he's amazing defensively. And you have Fox and you have Truba to handle the offensive side of things in terms of defensemen. Like Keandre Miller never needs to run a power play. Just go be Fox's partner and make millions and millions of dollars in your career. Um, but if that's what it took to get JT Miller, I could see them doing it because the Canucks would love to add a Keandre Miller for their rebuilding team. And so the Rangers are a team that could make that trade. The Devils are a team that could make that trade. But every trade the Devils make, people are including the second overall pick. And I would not trade the second overall pick for JT Miller. JT Miller might have more points than Dabrinkit. He might have more points. Then Johnny Hockey, he might, you know, which is nice. He's, he might be a better player right now, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking long term and present for the Devils. And you can't trade the second overall pick for a guy who might be there for a year. No, I, I don't think um, the Devils are going to trade the pick. I don't think you have anything to worry about. To me, in my opinion, it's pointless. Um, they're going to get a great player regardless. And who would they be trading the second overall pick for? It's not going to be JT Miller. It's not going to be Debrinket. Debrinket's the only one, and I don't think it's going to happen. So I think at this point, that you got nothing to worry about. They're going to end up holding on the, the second overall pick, and they're going to get a good player regardless out of it. And we'll see what happens from there. But yeah, I, I don't think there's any sweat here for the Devils. Got to sign hockey. That's possible. I, I you asked me this on a couple previous shows. I think he's staying in Calgary. Really? Even though Bucci looked us both in the eyes and said Philly or New Jersey? 
I, I still think he's staying with Calgary. They're going to try their damnedest. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I just – Calgary is in the mindset right now of a winning team. We saw them last year. I mean, Daryl Sutter was coach of the year. Oh, I know how good Calgary and now is. And now you're just going to, like, burn it all to the ground and just get rid of ho- Johnny Hockey? Because if you get rid of Johnny Hockey, depending on who they'd bring in to fill those shoes, which are some steep shoes to fill – Man, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you're going in an opposite direction. When I think the time of winning is right now, especially after the late, last year you just had. I couldn't agree more. And that could happen. I just, do you remember? I think I brought this up to you a while ago. Do you remember the World Cup of Hockey? Yeah. Hockey was the only player in the league in the tournament that didn't have an NHL team logo on his helmet. All the teams wore their NHL. All the players wore their, their club team on the back of their World Cup of Hockey helmet, except for hockey. Because him and the Flames were in negotiating process. He wasn't a Flame, technically. And it was a messy, messy RFA situation. They finally got it done right at the end of the tournament. I think in the uh, in their last Team North America game, he finally put it on, and they got eliminated because of BS Team North America. Them, Sweden, and... Um, would it have been not Finland? It probably was Canada. All three of them had a two and one record, and the tiebreaker was freaking. I don't even remember what the tiebreaker was, but maybe it was regulation wins. I don't remember. It was something stupid, and they got eliminated. And I think they could have won the whole thing, but it's just it was messy back then so why is johnny hockey all of a sudden now gonna be like you know what calgary let me stay with you guys long term i i don't know because i think it he definitely is best, it's his best chance to win yeah and i think that's what he wants if he goes to philly he's not winning a title anytime soon no i i i get that i i don't get the philly thing is nothing more than he was a flyers fan growing up yeah. they're rebuilding now the devils you could play with one of Hughes or Heesher and the team's on the rise, and you could be that piece that really helps them get back into the playoffs. Yeah, the Devils are the better of the two teams, so he'd be better off going there, but I, I just don't see it. I just don't, especially after last year. If the Flames had a bust year last year, then maybe it's a little bit of a different story here. I just, I, for some reason, I just have the gut feeling that he is staying with the Flames. Did they not have a bust playoff, though? I mean, personally, do I think they should have beat Edmonton? Yeah. But, but I mean, you have to look at, I mean, you had the new coach. I don't know. I know. I know. And they have Matthew Kachuk and he had, uh, he scores a thousand points and, you know, he's a very effective player. He's a very effective player. But was anybody really expecting the flame speed that good as they were last year? Going into the year? No, but by December, I understood why they were. Yeah. Because you look at their roster and Markstrom was playing out of his mind in net. They have great defense. Hockey, Monahan, Lindholm, Kachuk, Manjapani. All these guys were playing out of their mind. I mean, Manjapani had like 30 something goals. Who's Andrew Manjapani, Mr. E. Bread <laughs> himself? He had 30 something goals. I mean, they, they were fantastic. By the end of the year, I knew exactly why they were that good. Going into the year, I was bullish on them because of how the COVID year went. But also, like, you look at the division, it was like Vegas is the clear king in that division, and they sucked because they were injured all year. Mm-hmm. And then Calgary took over, 
And it kind of seems like Calgary's really, really good every other year. And this is, they're approaching another year. I don't know. It's definitely going to be the big story. He's the top free agent forward right now, I would say. Oh, yeah. Probably, for sure. Um, so you think the Devils and the Flyers stay put? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, especially since the Flyers already said that they're not willing to give up their pick for Debrinket, I don't know wh- why they would trade the five either. I think they're in the same boat as the Devils. I really don't think there's a point to. They're rebuilding. They could use that number five pick. I agree. I think the Devils are more likely than the Flyers, but ultimately I think they'll both take the stage. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other draft trade predictions? There's always three or four in the first round. Um, Malkin could go. Malkin's a free agent. Oh, he's a free agent, yeah. So you're just, okay, trades. I think the Sens might trade the seventh overall pick. I think that's a possibility. Sure. I could see that happening. Um, I wouldn't be shocked because Jack Campbell is a free agent. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Toronto made a trade for a goaltender and not signed Jack Campbell. Maybe that's something we could see. Is Kadri a free agent? I want to say no. I think that Kadri could get traded from the Colorado Avalanche. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play with the Avalanche. So those are some of mine. I think the Sens may really get rid of that seventh overall pick. I don't know to who, but I've heard a lot of talk about it, and, I mean, we'll see what happens. I don't know where they would go with it or why they would want to trade it or who would they would consider trading it for. I don't know but there is some rumblings about it. All right. I could see Detroit moving it, either moving back, getting a player, going for Debrinket, going for JT Miller. Detroit makes the playoffs next year. I thought they had a chance this year going in, and they hovered around the bubble till around New Year's Day, and then they started to fall off a little bit. And that's kind of what I told Joey was going to happen because I ultimately believed it was the two Florida teams, the Bruins and the Leafs. Next year, I think it's the two Florida teams, the Leafs and Detroit. I hope I'm wrong about the the Bees. I hope I'm wrong about the Bees. But I just can't see – I can't see a team missing Carlo, McAvoy, Marshawn for five-plus months. Yeah, and getting that production just replaced. And new coach that could that could light a spark. Pasternak will probably be better from beginning to end. He still had a forty-something goal season, and you know if he would have not had kind of a slow first two months, he probably would have touched fifty with ease. But uh, I don't know. You know, we did just have a little bit of breaking news. We have the Blackhawks schedule. Oh. Who do they open up against? They open up against – oh, you're not going to like hearing this. The oh. Colorado Avalanche are oh. raising their banner with the Chicago Blackhawks in town. Oh, no. So um, that's how that's going to go. They play the New Jersey Devils just four days before my birthday on Wednesday, on Tuesday night hockey. Wow. Um, I'm trying to see when the Devils come to Chicago. That's obviously – very important to me. We and we'll go over the whole schedule on another show and stuff like that. But oh, it's freaking April first. The Devils don't come to Chicago for almost a whole year. That's wow, kind of stinky. But 
you know, I'm sure all the teams are slowly but surely releasing their schedules. Now, I heard a couple hints that that could be something that happens today, and obviously it is for some teams. I'm not finding the devil schedule anywhere, but, you know, the Blackhawks, they're going to go into the Pepsi Center. They don't call it that anymore. What's it called now? Um, I, I would have known it a week that. ago. I would have known it a week ago. Because we the Nuggets back. play there too. Yeah, we went back and forth there in Amelie Arena <sighs> for a whole series. Oh, I, oh whatever. Oh, um, it's going to bother me though. No. Is it a crypto something? Or is no. that. Uh-uh. No, it's not. I could uh. check really quick because it's going to bother me. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Yeah, for real. So uh, Detroit, they're, they're making that climb for me. And I could see them making a trade for a big time player. Uh, watch out for Detroit. That's all I'm going to say to the fans watching this show. Do you have any hot draft take, whether it be a player gets traded that you're not really on the, the wire or not really in the, the media it's, right now, or a team moves back into the first ball arena. That's it. <laughs> a team moves into the first round. Maybe a team moves out of the first round. So-and-so gets traded. Is this, could this be where the Buffalo Sabres trade for Patrick? I'm talking like the hottest take that you generally believe is genuinely. I have, a hot, I have a hot take, but it has nothing to do with like what's going to happen in the draft, just about the draft itself. Okay. I think it's going to be, in terms of entertainment, one of the worst drafts of our entire life that we've witnessed. In terms of entertainment? Yeah. Not in terms of player? Not in terms of talent. Okay. But in terms of, I, it's just like there's not a lot, not a ton of buzz around it this year. And like the draft is a big part. Like after the Stanley Cup's over, everybody looks forward to the draft. But I just, there's not a lot of buzz this year that I'm not seeing. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's a little bit of a weaker draft class. We talk about next year's draft class, how Bedard's going to be better than Shane Wright would be this year. It's just like there's just not much buzz around it. See, I'm not just saying I'm not a contrarian. I don't come on this show. Just This isn't first take where I just argue with whatever you say. But this is the first time I'll openly admit that I strongly disagree with you. I think tomorrow is going to be chaos. I wouldn't be surprised if by the time I open my ugly brown eyes tomorrow, I call them ugly brown because like nobody ever compliments brown eyes. Nobody, hey man, you got some nice brown eyes. Your eyes are, they only say that to people with blue eyes. So that's why I said that. If JT Miller, Alex Debrinkit, Patrick Kane, any of the big boys that have been in the trade market for the last so-and-so, if any of those guys are traded tomorrow, I will be 0% surprised. If Marner, Nylander are traded tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised. I legitimately think tomorrow is going to be banana lands. I think the the Leafs are going to make a huge move. The Leafs aren't going to run it back exactly the same. They're still going to be an elite team next year, and they're my 2023 Stanley Cup champions as of right now. But they're going to make a splash somewhere. Maybe it's day two with the draft. Maybe it's not tomorrow, but maybe it's day two. Like the Devils traded for Subban on day two, and that was arguably bigger than anything that happened on day one. Um, Trade turned out shit for both teams. 
Subban kind of stunk and the prospects that Nashville got for him weren't that great. But I don't know. I don't know. The, the Devils are going to do something. And I think Montreal, Montreal ends up with Jack Hughes too. Because their GM, Kent Hughes, is his father. And if they they pick 27th, I think, and then also they have the number one overall pick. They're not taking him there. Imagine that. Dad, why don't you take me number one? Well, because you're not as good. <laughs> like, imagine that. Imagine that. Um, but I think they take him with pick 33. They have the first pick in the second round, and that's where I think Jack Hughes lands. He goes to Northeastern, mediocre production there as a freshman, but he was really good with the United States National Development Program, U18 before that. Um, so next year, I think he's going to explode in college hockey. Northeastern's going to win the bean pot. Um, they're going to be a title contender the whole season long. I truly believe that. And I'm, I'm liking Jack Hughes. I think he ends up with Montreal at 33. That's my, my biggest take is that Montreal kind of steals the show at home. But there's going to be one ginormous trade tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to be uh, Debrinket. I don't know if it's going to be JT Miller. But some team is getting a guy who can either score 40 goals or 90 points tomorrow. I think the biggest news we're going to get is just JT Miller. And all these other rumors that we're, that we're hearing about, I think there's going to be a lot of disappointed people. Don't talk that into the universe, man. I think there's going to be a lot of this. We're trying to entertain the. Yeah, make sure you tune in to next week's Bar Down where we're going to talk about all the boring shit that happened. I mean, I want it to be more entertaining, but, you know, just usually when there's all these rumors and it's like, oh, this could happen and it's things seem like too good to be true or things that are going to happen end up don't happening. It's just, I don't know. I got that feeling, man. All right. Watch us both be wrong, and it's just like a pretty nice day. Like, nothing monumental, but... It could. I mean... That's actually probably the most likely outcome, is that Frankie thinks it's going to be completely dry, and I think it's going to be the next coming of Christmas, (laughs) and it's probably going to end up being somewhere in the middle. Like, if JT Miller gets traded, and that's it, that's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, but we're all expecting that. Like that's like tomorrow. No, but we're expecting like uh, it, it's a hundred percent going to happen. So it's like if yeah, that's but if it happens tomorrow, that means the Canucks are going to take the stage tomorrow with someone else's pick that they got for Miller. That to me is like true draft excitement because then you start looking at this guy. It's like okay, this is the guy the Canucks took when they traded JT Miller, and you almost follow him for a long time, and you wonder like, hey, did the Canucks yeah. make a mistake? Did the Canucks do some disservice to themselves? But Next week's show is going to be heavily focusing on recapping what we saw here to, tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Thursday today, in the 2022 NHL draft. And by then, hopefully the Devils are a better organization. Hopefully the Bruins are a better organization. Hopefully the Blackhawks are a better organization. Um, hopefully the NHL as a league is just better as a league because whenever you bring in all this new talent, you start pushing out some of the other talent that's not as good and the league becomes a better place. So make sure you're looking for that next week. And also on next week's show is the preview of free agency. Actually, I'm pretty sure free agency starts at noon our time next Wednesday. So we're going to be recording right in the middle of it. And there will probably be some deals done by the time we go live and throughout the show. Tomorrow's going to be a heavy phone show. 
Bring your cell phones to the show next week because I'm going to be on my phone a lot of the time just refreshing. I'm going to have Elliot Friedman's notifications turned on. I'm going to have Savarelli's notifications turned on. And I'm going to be cranking out content all day long. Next Wednesday is going to be even busier than tomorrow because of the fact tomorrow you know when the draft is. You know what time it is. The only thing that could happen crazy is like early day trades. Like in 2017, the Hawks traded Panarin and Yalmerson in two separate trades at like one in the afternoon and 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. It was during the day. I remember because I went to that draft and all that stuff was already the dust was settling from the trades at the time of the draft. Uh, I believe the Blues acquired Luke Shen while we were there at the draft. Like it, it was a, a big day. And part of me thinks Wednesday of next week is going to be even more chaotic and we'll be recording right in the middle of it. So I'm excited about it. Frank, do you have one early free agent hot take? I think Latang could be gone too. We didn't talk about Latang. I don't know if that's necessarily a hot take. Um, I actually have a list of the NHL posted today of some top free agents. I'm going to throw them on the screen if you want to just run through them really quick. Sure. Uh, Because there were some interesting – let me make it bigger. No, there you go. Yeah. So I think go these ahead. Are the these are the goalies. Yeah. I think Campbell is either an oiler or a devil. Mark Andre Fleury. Mark Andre Fleury is going to the Leafs. Um if I was Grice, I would stay with Detroit and back up Nadalkovich. Halak, it doesn't really matter. He stinks now. If the Devils don't land Campbell, I see them going for either Holpe or Huso. Martin Jones is done. He's going to sign an AHL contract. Darcy Kemper could probably go just about anywhere he wants. I would go back to Colorado. That's ultimately likely what happens. And then I think if I was Kyle Davidson, I would give Kevin Lincoln and whatever he wants for one year. Well, and another thing, I think the Hawks could contend for Huso. I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks picked up Huso. Yeah, um, I just worry about them learning their lesson from having a good goalie last year. I mean, yeah. Um, I think Flurry's gone for sure. Yep. Campbell's probably gone. The Leafs need a new goalie for sure. Um, Holpe, you probably think he's gone, you said, right? Yeah, because they're going to use Ottinger as their starting. Yeah, absolutely. So he'll probably, but I mean, Holpe could back up, but I don't think he wants to be a backup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just saw this list and there was a, some notable names that when we're talking about the draft next Wednesday on our show or the, the free agency next week on our show, I think a lot of these names are going to be mentioned. So I just thought you'd like to take a look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's going to be an interesting time. And we all are hoping our favorite teams get better. This is the time to do it. And, you know, we got a lot to talk about, you know, with the draft next I'm week. Excited. And what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, think be it's great. I think we're going to have, I think the free agency, well, the whole free agency is going to be more exciting than this year's draft. Okay. Well, in a perfect world, they would both be extremely exciting. And speaking of things that are exciting, we're going to talk about whatever we want in period number three. Welcome to period three, where I literally titled the name of it. Anything you want. Frank, what's your favorite draft memory? Going to the draft. 
being able to be at the draft. I think that was pretty cool. Watching the Chicago Blackhawks draft, getting the draft hat, something that I've only done ever once in my life going to the draft. So that was my, uh, my favorite draft memory. That is absolutely also mine. Frankie and I share the same draft memory. We both attended the 2017 NHL draft together at the United Center. My Devils took their captain, Nico Heischer, with the number one overall pick. In my opinion, he's the second best player from the draft. Um, I would take Kale McCarr over most players in the NHL now. Um, Outside of like the top five or six forwards in the league, I think he's the best player in the league. And, you know... He's unreal. So, but seeing the Devils do that, when I think about it from a Hawks perspective, the best part is the fact that Taves and Kane came out and made the pick. They took Yoki Haru, who's a promising young defenseman even now, but they traded him for Alexander Nylander, and that is a, one of Stan Bowman's worst trades. Mm-hmm. And I hated it in real time. I hate it even more now. So, that's kind of a bittersweet memory of it. But you know, seeing. I believe the Flyers took Morgan Frost, which is Dylan's team. And then the Bruins took Erho Vakanainen, who they traded to the Anaheim Ducks in the Hampus Lindholm trade. So that draft ended you, Alexander Nylander, me, Nico Heeshear, and Joey Hampus Lindholm. <laughs> Dylan got Morgan Frost, which I, I guess I, better than Alexander Nylander. Yeah, but it's still but, yeah, um, uh, there was the first ever Vegas Golden Knights draft pick, too. They had three, and, you know, I think one of them was Suzuki. And then they traded him in the Max Pacioretty trade. So, some good stuff from that year. What's your favorite draft story? Do you have one? No, I, I don't. I was thinking. I was trying to come up with something. I really don't have a favorite draft story. Okay, I have one for you. In the 2003 NHL draft, and for those who don't know, the 2003 NHL draft is the greatest draft in any sport of all time. Their first round of that draft produced Hall of Famers, multiple guys who played a 1,000 games. Like, I'm just talking like a lot of talent. Like, Parisi was the 17th overall pick. If the draft was redone, he'd probably go like fourth. Like it, it gets left. Perry, Flurry, Seabrook. Um, I'm trying to think of who. Uh, Bufflin. Like even outside of the first round, it was just an insane draft. Pavelski. It was just one of the best drafts ever. And the New York Islanders came up to pick at number 15, I want to say. And everyone's favorite analyst, Pierre Maguire, (laughs) got extremely mad at them when they didn't take Zach Parisi. And he's on the mic, the hot mic, ripping on them on live television for taking Steve Bernier over Zach Parisi. And he's like, JP played for them. He's going to be an incredible NHL player for a long time. And he was just so visibly angry at the Islanders for not taking Parisi. And then he fell to the Devils at 17. And he just about shit his pants of excitement. Because the Devils traded up to get him with the Oilers. They traded from 
they had a it's it's so funny the way people remember this. They had the Blues pick. They were the defending Stanley Cup champions, so they had their own pick at 30. And they also had the Blues pick because of something with Scott Stevens or something like that back in like 93. Like the trade was it was pushed off that far. Mm-hmm. And they traded up with the Oilers, took Parisi, and the rest, as they say, is history. And then the couple years later, in 09, I want to say, when they took Tavares with the number one overall pick, he brought up the Parisi thing again. <laughs> and he was still, six years later, so mad that they didn't take him. If I had to guess, Pierre might have grown up an Islanders fan. I know he has dual citizenship. I don't mm-hmm. know, actually. That's an interesting question. But he was just so mad, and I always find that story to be hilarious. Um, yeah, that's my favorite draft story, just how freaking pissed uh-huh, Pierre Maguire was during his you know, soliloquy on the draft at that point in time. That's actually really funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there anything else hockey story-wise that you kind of want to get to? I have kind of a big one. Go for it. The San Jose Sharks hired Mike Greer to be their general manager. And his brother is the GM of the Miami Dolphins, which not a lot of people know. So they're a multi-sport family. And Greer became the first African-American general manager in the history of the National Hockey League. I heard about that. So it's just a great time in our favorite sport. Um, Hockey's for everyone. I'm so happy to see African-Americans joining the game and, playing it as much as possible. Hockey's been a predominantly white sport for a very long time, and I've always hated that. I like being an Italian-American that enjoys hockey. You know, I you know there, we really don't have – is there an Italian-American in the league? And the, the number of African-American players is growing every single year. Kids all over the world are starting to play the great game of hockey, and I think having a black GM is very good for the league. I'm so excited about it, and I hope there's many more to come. Um Everybody deserves a fair and equal chance, and Greer's going to do a great job with the Sharks. I'm looking forward to seeing what he's able to do. You know, and I heard that I think there were two women hired. I think there was a woman hired as yep. a full-time video coach, yep. right? Yep, and the Devils hired an assistant GM. Yeah, so that that's also so I could build off what you were saying. So, yeah, there were two women hired in the NHL, which is a big step for them, and it's great to see the variety in the league. Absolutely. The Devils open up their season on the 13th of October, Philadelphia Flyers. Oh. oh. <laughs> so, going to start off the season with a nice win. Um, I'm wondering, where is December the 9th? A Friday night, my birthday, a home game against the wow. New York Islanders. We shall see if that's VP's first ever trip. Because that, that's what I want for my birthday this year is to go to a Devils game in New Jersey. Do it. Um, I've wanted it for a very long time. This is the 40th anniversary of the team. There's no better time, I know. And they released a logo, the Devils did, for their 40th anniversary team. It's a big 40 with the Devils horns coming out of the top of it and then the tail wrapping around the bottom. It's actually really, really cool. It's going to be a big season of Devils hockey. It's on – their uh, draft little thing there. Um, or not draft. Um, the schedule. And it's Kate Madigan, who is the 
um, GM, the assistant GM. She's mm-hmm. the sixth in NHL history. So the number keeps climbing. Oh. And I believe all six of them are relatively recent. So I'm very, very, very excited about that. Every team needs all sorts of different opinions from varying genders and varying um, racial differences. Yeah, the Devils post. They didn't post just the logo. I just kind of noticed it on their schedule on Twitter. Oh, okay. So that'll be fun. I wanted to see it and show everybody because it's pretty sick. You see it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that 40th uh, logo right there at the bottom. That's sick. The 82-83 season was their first in franchise history. They were fucking brutal. But they're not going to be brutal this year. The 40th anniversary is going to be a sign of things to come for this team. I believe that. And I'm excited about the Devils, man. I'm probably as excited as I've been for them. Taylor Hall gave us false hope, but there was also in the back of our heads mm-hmm. with Taylor Hall, we knew that there was a chance he was leaving. We knew it. And then kind of a good thing. He's a good player for the Bruins. He's not 93-point heart trophy Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of factors on why that could be. But that's I don't a know. really sick logo. Yeah, I'm very that, – that's like – phone background behind the apps type of picture there or even on a hat Ooh, i would wear i would wear a devil's hat with that logo like on the side mm-hmm. i think well, would yeah, be really there you cool. go. yeah yeah that with would the be devil's like really logo cool. in the middle and then that off to the side yeah yep absolutely so that's the second period we got or no that's the we're in the third period uh we have is there anything else that you want to talk well, about? Could be- well, yeah, there was some, there was, well, I don't know. I haven't been on social media a ton today. Uh, there were going to be some, I think, announcements as the cover athlete for NBA 2K23. Um, yesterday, it was announced for a couple of their special editions who was going to be on the cover. I don't know if you saw who it's going to be. I did it. I think it's great marketing because this year it's NBA 2K23. And what's a better 23 to have on the cover than Michael Jordan himself? And he will be on the cover of the Michael Jordan edition and the championship edition, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, Just because being the Chicago guys, you know, we're from Chicago, having Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan on the cover. um, I think that's really cool. It's good marketing, NBA 2K23, having 23 on the cover. Um, Yeah, I think that's really cool. I think the uh, signs are pointing and leaks are pointing that it's going to be Devin Booker from the Suns on the like actual game cover, but we'll have to see. I, they might have made an announcement today already. I don't know yet, but yeah, that's that's something else that I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, did you see the big trade in the NFL? Um, Baker. Baker Mayfield to the Panthers. Yeah, I saw the that. Carolina Panthers. God, <laughs> suck. They're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, but they're not even the worst team in their division. So they have that going for them. Somebody, it was hilarious because somebody posted odds to win the World Series or the uh, Super Bowl before uh, Baker Mayfield, 125 to 1. After signing Baker Mayfield, 125 to 1. That's funny. <laughs> it was really I mean, funny. <laughs> I mean, 
he's an upgrade. There's no doubt about that. They're going to stink. They're going to stink, but they're going to come in third place. It's going to go Bucks, Saints, Panthers, Falcons. I mean, that's just how it's going to be. Um, the thing I find most notable or notable about it, I wonder if he had any say in that. Can you remember where Baker Mayfield went to college? I don't. He went to Oklahoma. Oh. One of the only teams, NFL teams in that surrounding. I mean, who are the NFL teams in that surrounding area? The Panthers, Falcons, the Texas teams, Florida teams. I mean, it's he definitely gonna be back in the Southwest or Southeast, which maybe I'll give him a little spark. Maybe I'll have more family around. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out. out. Yeah, I'm out on him too. I mean, he's not a draft bust. I wouldn't say he's a bust relative to where he was taken. Mm-hmm. He played and won some NFL games. He made the playoffs. He had some stints where he looked good. He wasn't Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, I guess no, maybe he was Mitchell Trubisky. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't know. I'm out. Mitch and Mitch and. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, Mitch and Baker playing for teams in the East. That should be really interesting. Um, Frank, we have a big weekend coming up. Are you excited? We, yeah. For those who don't know, Frankie Mueller hosts a bags tournament every year, and we've been talking about it on this show for months. I mean, since you basically became a full-time Barroom Network contributor podcast or whatever employee whatever you want to call it um what do you think i mean do you have anything about this tournament that's exciting you um where do you think you're gonna land like give me some analysis on the tournament going in well i'm hoping that i can make it to the championship that's the goal here obviously i know that's the chalk answer but i honestly think that me and my dad as partners, we have that capability to do so. We finished fourth last year, and we were this close to getting to that third place game. We had like a 12 to 3 lead or something like that. We were this close. I think we could get back there. I think that I'm a contender for sure. I'm really excited. We're gonna it's gonna be our biggest year yet. We're gonna have the most teams we've ever had in a tournament. Um, looking at 20 teams, probably. I'm still a little nervous that a couple teams might flake off here. But regardless, or it's going to be a, a huge tournament, and I, I there's going to be people that we've never even seen before in this tournament. I, I just think there's there's a lot of drama going on. There's a lot of a little bit of everything, and I think that's uh, what I'm looking forward to. I'm just looking forward to just the overall day. It's not supposed to rain, thank God. It's been raining up to it, which could hurt the grass. We could have a little soggy grass out there, but. I'm just looking forward to the the overall thing. What about you? Um, I think I have a chance to win. I don't think I'm a lock to win. I don't think I'm a lock to make it to the championship even, but I think I have a chance to win. I think I play on one of the five best teams in the tournament. Um, I also think anything can happen when you play games of bags, but there are going to be people really mad at me because I am going to rank every team based on what I think it is, and I'm going to hang it in the backyard for everyone to look at and dissect and get pissed at me. I'm actually even thinking about ranking each individual player too. And if people don't like it, get better. 
Sorry. And I have Pat Foley on my side, so he's rooting for me to win. You want to pull that up and play it for the people? I don't think I could pull it up on the computer just because I'm not on a Mac, so I have mm-hmm. no way to accessing. Um, I mean, if I win, I'll find a way next week. For I know sure. how to help you get it on. I know how to help you get it on. I threw an email for sure. Email, Probably. Twitter. There are lots of ways. So I'm very excited for the bags tournament. You need to follow all of us on Twitter at the King Bean, at Vinny Parisi, at Joey Parisi, and there will be live updates coming to Twitter.com. Are you gonna do live updates? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a big day of updating the people on what's going on. So I'm do excited about it. There will be any arguing. Yes, I do. Or any fights? Like fist fights? No, but like any like argumental fights. Yes. I do. I might be involved in one. Wow. There are a couple people I wouldn't mind screaming at. Huh. And there are a couple people I can see being confrontational throughout the tournament. And, oh, it's going to get messy. I'm excited for this tournament. I'm really excited. It's going to be so much fun. Absolutely. So make sure you're tuned in and keeping track of all that stuff. Um, you want to gamble? Sure. On. We're going to gamble on America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Uh, breaking bets. <laughs> Welcome to Breaking Bets, brought to you by Bar Down Talking Hockey of the Bar Room Network. Frank, the floor is yours. All righty. Well, oops, switch that. All right. So, back at it this week with three picks. I got three picks last week. I only had two. It's a little slower than last week. Um, before I begin, should we talk about Joey Chestnut? And if anybody would place any bets on Joey Chestnut, they refunded him. He was attacked by a protester. Um, lousy, lousy score. What do you have, like 63 and a half hot dogs? But that's because he was attacked. Um, and did you notice, Vin, did you watch it at all? Like, it was a guy in a Darth Vader helmet. And I couldn't read what it was, what his sign said, but it said something about the Death Star. Um, something it was- about it. It was the Utah thing where they like mistreat animals and stuff like that. Like, oh, okay. And they're eating hot dogs. Like, yeah. Well, anyway, I have three picks for you guys. They're all going to be MLB. It's really the only sport on right now that's, um, at least I could give you picks for tonight. Um, so we're going to start it off with the Rays are playing the Red Sox today. The Rays have split so far, so this is the rubber match, the third game. I think there's value in the Rays' money line. It's Brian, or maybe it's Brian Bellows' first MLB start for the Red Sox. Never pitched in an MLB game before, and the Rays are plus 110. I think this is a great opportunity with Kluber on the mound for the Rays to step in and take the Rays as an underdog. 
So it's always tough pitching in your first MLB games. I mean, some veterans have trouble coming back and pitching in their first MLB start of the year after an injury. Look at Lance Lynn, his first outing. Um, it wasn't hard for him coming back from injury. I mean, we see it all the time. So let alone your first MLB start, not going to be too easy for them. So I think there's a little bit of value taking the raise money line at plus 110. Then my second pick is the Texas Rangers are playing the Baltimore Orioles the last two games. The Baltimore Orioles have won. I've constantly come on the show and told you I don't like betting the sweep. So, naturally, you'd have to take the Texas Rangers because I don't think the Texas Rangers are going to get swept. You look at the pitching matchups, and um, they pretty much got even pitchers on the mound. So, with even pitchers with the chance of being swept, I'm going to go with the Texas Rangers money line. It's a pick em. Could take the Rangers money line at minus 110. I think there's some great value there. You know, they always say it's not always smart to bet on bad teams just because bad teams do what bad teams do. And, you know, they even in games that you think they're going to win, they could suck because they're a bad team below 500. But regardless, I like the Rangers money line at minus 110. I think there's good value there, which leads me to my final pick. Cardinals are playing the Braves. It will be on ESPN at 6 o'clock tonight. You have Michaelis versus Max Freed on the mound. Both are really good pitchers. Both have a whip nearing one. I think whip it plays into a huge factor when you're going to talk about over and unders because they just don't let guys on base uh, that often. And the over under for the first five is four and a half. So I like it under four and a half for the first five. I think four and a half is a lot for these two pitchers. You're getting it at minus 109, which is pretty good. Um, I think you got to hop on that train. If it was anything less than four and a half, probably. If it was four, I'd say still do it, but I'm surprised it's not three and a half, to be honest with you. These pitchers have just been electric all year, and I'd be really, really surprised if it goes over four and a half for the first five. And then you don't have to also don't have to worry about these teams' bullpens. So that's another thing I like about doing it for half the game. So all you have to do is worry about the starting pitchers. If one of the starting pitchers is off, you're kind of screwed. But take your chances under four and a half for the first five. Those are my picks. Those are some very good picks, Frank. Like, you can either fade them or ride them. But, I mean, Frankie's been hot lately. So I would... I would honestly take a look at what he's doing here. Um, that game with the Braves. Who did you say you think was going to win that one? No, I just the it just did over under the, the Braves. Over under, oh, yeah. But who, but who do you think is going to win? Uh, I would go with the Braves if I had to choose one, just because they're at home. Max Fried's on the mound at home. That's a tough ask. Um, I, I'd probably say the Braves. They're like a team I'm like hot on right now. And tomorrow's yeah, episode of Crosstown Crosstalk will feature Mr. Joey Parisi, which is very exciting. He hasn't been on in a long time. And I'm excited about that. We're going to talk about the Braves. So I, I really think that that team is sensational. And they started off cold and they're getting hot. They could catch the Mets. And the Mets are still playing well and winning games. And the Braves yeah. and them are still going to have like a duel to the finish. So. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about the NL East. So that's breaking bets. Frankie's got his bets in. Make sure you give him a listen. And, hey, why not try your luck with Frankie's breaking bets segment? I mean, I would. So I'm probably going to. So 
make sure you hop on it. Frank, before we head into the, you know, before we head out of here, getting into the 2022 NHL draft, is there anything else you got to say put out there? Well, today is going to be a fun night. Big Brother starts tonight. Um, I'm looking forward to it. My favorite show of all time. Um, so we're back at that as far as anything else goes. Enjoy the draft, even though I think it's going to be kind of a buzzkill. Let's hope we're wrong for the sake of conversation next week. I know we'll have some good free agents to talk about next week, so that should be exciting. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got for you. Yeah. I think it's going to be very exciting, especially since something that was just sent to me about the New Jersey Devils with a wink, wink. Uh Um, I think everybody should be tuning in to the hockey news over the next 24 hours. I think it's going to really, really excite some hockey fans as we get into things. And Katie wants to make sure that you know that she'll be watching Big Brother this season. Yeah, well, I'll be watching it too. We could text about it. There you go. Big Brother fans all around up in here. I've never seen a single episode. Um, that's our show. I hope everybody enjoyed all the draft talk. I know it gets kind of down and nitty gritty when it comes to prospects and what we think they're going to be able to do and varying opinions because when it's the draft, there's a lot of unknown, so nobody's going to agree. When mm-hmm. we watch the NHL, we can see stuff like Frankie and I are both able to identify who's doing good, who's doing not so good. We might disagree on like the Leafs playoff series stuff and stuff like that, but like we both acknowledge that they're good teams. We know who the best players on each team are like that is something that is so just kind of like there in terms of the NHL. But when it comes to this draft, man, they, they, they could go either way. So I hope everybody tunes into the draft, the ESPN networks, and go check out your favorite team's schedule. Always hockey. I know it's hot out there. It's not really hockey mood. It's always hockey. So thank you, everybody, for listening to Skox in the chat. Always chirping. He he was there right when we got in. Got some good comments from Tom and, of course, Katie chipping in there at the end with the Big Brother comments. Make sure you watch Big Brother if you're a fan of that stuff. Um, I'm Vinny. This is Frankie. As always, thank you for listening.